Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Just Browsing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach, back again with Matt today. And we are here to talk, have a discussion about human memory and its relationship with human consciousness and your identity. So what are we talking about? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I think we're going to kind of the way that I, so, you know, for anyone who's listened to our past couple episodes on ancient Egypt and then the pyramids, um, I had a bunch of just random internet research that I drew upon and I'm, I'm going to kind of work through that and sort of kind of use that as a way to stimulate this discussion. And I think the beginning part of it is going to be more related to the science of what we currently understand about how human memory works and then later in the discussion, um, it's going to get more into sort of the kind of trippy philosophical ideas that I find super interesting about how your memory impacts your personality and your like idea of your personal identity. Um, so yeah, we'll get, and I kind of wanted to actually, I thought about this just a second ago before we started recording and I kind of want to start here because this kind of started my fascination or it's it's one of the points that I look back on speaking of memory as like one of the first core memories that got me interested in this idea as a whole I don't know if you remember which you probably do because you remember a lot more about high school football than I do but um Matt and I we've we've talked about this before but we played high school football at Thunder Ridge High School and we had our head coach coach Johnson was also a physics teacher at the high school and I had him for physics I don't know did you ever have him for class or I no? did not okay he was actually a very good physics teacher um, he had this speech to us, a pregame speech to us before one of our games where he was kind of relating it to something that he was talking about in science class one day. And that was basically the idea of scientists have able to have been able to, over the course of studying the human body and studying the brain, they have been able to identify how the individual parts of the brain work, like biologically and organically speaking with all of the synapses and these neurons firing and all this kind of stuff, but they don't know how to exactly explain how all of those individual pieces make up the whole of the brain and how the brain is able to actually do what it does. And he kind of made this cool uh, correlation to football where he was kind of, that was part of the pregame speech is he was like, you know, you have all these individual players, you're all good at individual things. You have things that you bring to the team, but it's, it's all of the individual parts becoming a, greater hole that's going to make us be able to like win this game or whatever right. and it, was, it was a very cool speech and it's always stuck with me and i've always remembered that particular one out of all of the pregame speeches we've got and it just has kind of like sent me on this like fascination with the human mind and how it works Do you remember the david versus goliath one when we played creek what was that soft, one our sophomore year I don't well, remember that one. Creek put us in so like. This a, is why I'm saying you're going to remember a lot more of this. Creek than I put do. us in like. Do a you remember the one shed? I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. But okay. Creek put us in like a storage shed, <laughs> and they put us on like these that. old storage crates where like I sat down and got a splinter in my ass, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> that's a good way to start. The game. And we're literally sitting in a like the, the shed was no joke like the size of this room, and the whole team was in there. And the whole team was crammed. I don't, in I don't there. not remember this. Cherry Creek, you said. Yeah, and huh. he because they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll gladly go get our ass beat by Mullen and everything because that was the year. That was my brother's senior year, our sophomore year. Okay. And if we won, we played Mullen. Yeah, that's the, right. In the, if we beat Mullen, we were in the championship game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we go in there, and it's like the David versus. He's like, because, you know, Cherry Creek's got like 3,500 students. And, yeah. You know, we was had like the snow, snow game. It was very snowy. It started to snow, yeah. Like I remember that Like big ass okay. wet flakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Derek Muncy had like a 95-yard head start and got caught by their yeah. DN. And we're all I remember like, that. Dude. 
I remember that game. Yep. So he gave that like David versus Goliath speech and was like really fired up and pissed off because of where they put us and yeah. like everything going on. And we went out and smoked them. And yeah, that, that was that's cool. the speech that I remember because cool. yeah. it's one of those things. It's like I think we're a way better football team than they are, but we're technically David in this story. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that's that's some a big part of being an effective coach is being able to properly motivate your team. And like speeches like that are very motivating, especially right before you're oh, about yeah. to go out and just smash into other people with pads on very hard for the next then you <laughs> 60 go out minutes or whatever. Fucking destroy them. And then you go play Mullen and, yeah, and get, get destroyed smoked. because it's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. for another conversation. <laughs> um, but I wanted to kind of bring that up as like an introduction to my fascination with this. And, you know, I don't know a ton about the human brain. I actually have a cousin of mine who is like doing her doctorate in like studying neurochemistry or something like that. It's very guest, she's guest appearance. She's big brain, so yeah. Uh, maybe we maybe we can get her on here to talk more about this from an actual expert point of view. But I kind of wanted to bring that up as just kind of like a segue into this conversation. Um, and this, like I said, I kind of wanted to structure this about like the the beginning part of it of more about like okay. Here's how we understand how this complex array of biochemistry makes memory or how you're able to access memory. And then the next part of it is like, um, here's how your memory affects your personal identity. And I think we, I actually kind of touched on this a little bit when we were talking about, maybe it was our technology episode where we got more into the artificial intelligence and there's a lot of like, stuff from like that show devs that I watched or Westworld and stuff like that, where you're talking about AI and like, how do you, how do you map someone's brain or their consciousness or their identity into ones and zeros on a computer? And how does that correlate? And how can you, is there a way to actually do that? Or is like what makes up our brain and our biochemistry totally unique in the biological form and it's unable to be replicated. That idea is very fascinating to me. I would think you, you would have to sit there and say that my memory, you could not replicate into another brain just because the way I look at it, and I'm sure you'll, you might be able to discuss it, but if something happens to me in, in real life, right, I'm going to remember that where the same thing could happen to you which you don't remember it, right? So th this might tie into what you're going to talk about with like memory and then how it kind of can impact your personality and like kind of who you are. I'll be honest. I got a great fucking memory. If you do something, if you wrong me, I'm going to remember that. And I'm going to remember that until I don't need to remember it anymore. I'll use this as an example because I always bring it up to my dad. It's, it's a funny one. It, it's really petty, but we went to the Poinsettia Bowl in San Diego back in, I think it was 2006. We watched CSU and Navy play in San Diego. I asked my dad if I could, if he could get me cotton candy because I was what like <laughs> eleven or twelve at the time. Okay. He never got me cotton candy. So every time that I go to a sporting event with my dad, I ask for a thing of cotton candy. <laughs> You're just never gonna just let it because I never let it go. And like for my parents, they know it's one of those things. They like if they do something that isn't going to sit well with me, even if it's more of like a joke type sit well. You're just like never going to let it go. I'm never going to let it go. Yeah. Seventh grade. They showed up <laughs> late to a basketball game in seventh grade. Ranchview Middle School basketball. They showed up late. And I remember. And I'm like, you guys showed up late. <laughs> my dad had meetings on one of my birthdays. I can't remember the birthday, but on one of my birthdays, so my mom gave me my Star Wars action figures early, so I was playing with them, and my dad came home at, like, 9 because he was working late. 
you know, providing for the family, yeah, making yeah, yeah. sure I had Paying toys. Paying for those fucking toys, you ungrateful little <laughs> shit. And I'm like, <laughs> you're late to my birthday. And like, I, I mean. still remember that. I still remember it. And it's not like I'm sitting here holding a grudge against my dad. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see who's late to your birthday this year. <laughs> but it's one of those things like, I, I remember that. And then I'll be able to bring it up because it's, it's like ready. Like, yeah. like, I won't forget it. Like, there's things in my mind where I'm like, I don't let it go, even though I, it, it, like it should be let go but yeah. then even when i try and let it go i'm like remember that one time and people are like well, no i don't remember that and i'm like well i'm gonna tell you about it that's one thing that really scares me and i think it scares a lot of like either current parents or would-be parents about the concept of being a parent is that you don't know what things that you do as a parent are going to just stick in your kid's brain forever whether good or bad you right. know what i mean and it could be something that you don't ever think twice about, but it's something that like sticks with them for literally ever. Like when your dad didn't buy you cotton candy, right. like he probably didn't ever think about that again until you brought it up. I was like, what oh, are you yeah. talking about? It didn't well, buy they, they know, candy. they like, know about it because of how often right, you bring right, it right. up. But so like, it's, it's a memory of them now yeah. because they're like, Oh, we're going to have to relive this. And shit at least, again. and at least that's something that's not like super traumatic or anything. Right. There's but no it's grudge. like that l- little stuff like that, or like mistakes that you make could just, imprint Wait, on them right, and then and that's it they carry it for their entire lives even right. when they become parents and i think that idea is kind of scary um, oh yeah i mean think about like i'm not gonna put people on blast in case we ever get big but like my mom you know when we were growing up we, we'd get you know smacked on the butt and everything because we were we were bad kids like that we misbehaved that's normal i'm gonna do that to my kids but she would if we really fucked up she would pinch our cheeks and it legit felt like her nails were going to pop through and I was going to have gauges inside of my <laughs> fucking cheeks at that time. And I remember that. So, like, I remember, you know, saying something back and all of a sudden there's just a death grip on my cheeks. And I'm like, that was a terrifying experience. I yeah. never want to go through that again. Yeah. I'm fucking going to be 28 and I still don't want to go through it. Yeah, but it's yeah. like that didn't harm me to the point where you're like, yeah, it's a grudge where I'm like, right. you know screw you mom like you hurt me it's like no you didn't hurt me you you got your point across and now i don't want to ever experience it again yeah but yeah well and that's like kind of the up. rationale on her part of doing that is to make sure you now know forever hey don't talk back to right. me or but, else but this. it works you're going to equate it in your mind with pain <laughs> right i mean but it works with most people yeah there's some people where you like hit them and they're like oh yeah i'm gonna get revenge on you yeah but then there's other people where they get hit and they're like maybe i shouldn't do that again because i don't right. want to go through Right, the events that just unfolded. which is I think the intended consequence of that. The unintended consequence is like your kid carries that with them the rest of their life and it like fucks them up. And right, but I mean like they become abusive e- or something. You either know way, I mean? it's it's all for memory. Okay, say I smacked so I smacked my grandma when we were in Home Depot one time. I was really little. I went up behind her, smacked her on the butt. You know, no harm, no foul. She turned around and just whoosh, smacked me back. I never ever tried to hit my grandma after that day. Because it stuck with me. It was in my memory to go, okay, when I did this to my grandma... She did not take it well. The consequence (laughs) was she hit me back. Yeah. And I don't want that to happen again. Yeah. She wasn't, like, abusive. It's not like she sent me crying. Yeah. I mean, I went crying to my parents, and my parents were just like, yeah, whatever. Well, it's like the same thing of, like, if she pees on your carpet, you're going to, like, smack her on the nose or, like, push her head in it and be like, this is not okay. Don't do this again. So the whole... The intended lesson from that is, like, hey, don't pee on this spot anymore. You pee... In the you approved go areas, yeah. And then she goes, "Well, you hit me, so I'm gonna go pee on that right. piece of the carpet." <laughs> that is now. also a, an action like, that could no. happen. Um, so yeah, but either I, way, I, it all affects the memory. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, and I, there's, I actually 
didn't find any of this in my research, I could probably try and narrow my search parameters. But have you ever heard like the, um, I don't know where I picked this up, but there was, um, have you ever heard the little like factoid that anytime you're remembering something, you're actually only remembering the last time you remembered it. And so that like over time, the memory gets less and less clear. It's like more faded because you're kind of like printing a copy of a copy of a copy. Have you ever heard that? I don't know if that's actually true, but I picked that up somewhere, either through like a documentary or a podcast or something, or I read it somewhere. Um, I would like to kind of I mean, search for that and see if that's the actual theory or if I just am totally I could, I could see that remembering as a that incorrectly. But I find that kind of interesting, and it seems like it could be true. You know what I mean? Because like your more recent memories are more clear, and then right. the ones that are further back are a little bit more fuzzy. But, but I, I don't necessarily know if that has anything to do with, oh, remember that one time, and you start, you know, you go back five weeks ago when you were When you last reminisced that, it. yeah. Because, like you said, your more recent memories are your most clear, or should be your most clear memories. There might be certain things where you're like, I'm never going to forget this. But as time goes on, and I'm going to be a nerd real quick and use like a computer. As time goes on, your computer fills up with space. Yeah, your you hard out, drive. You run out, out of memory. Room. Yeah. So you either have to delete things to create more room. Yeah. Or you have to add an external memory source to continue to build. Right. You can't add more to your brain. I mean, I, I don't know if you can technically add more to your brain by you know like reading and, and you know yeah becoming more intelligent over time. So it's. I think it would just only be natural that the longer you live, if I become a 95-year-old one day, I might remember, hey, this one time my dad, you know, 83 years ago. Didn't buy me cotton candy. Didn't buy me cotton candy. <laughs> yeah. And I remember that for 83 years. Yeah. But, yeah, I might not be like, but it was at a football game. I can't remember which one. And it, yeah. to yeah, me, yeah. that would just be more you have gained 83 years of memory on top of when that event happened that your brain just kind of running out of space as far as certain details. Like, yeah. It's not that every year that I remember this, you know, you're remembering I'm remembering the last time I remembered it, it yeah. because the last time I remembered it is the same time. I mean, this story will get brought up multiple years when I'm with my parents or we're talking to friends, like it gets brought up. I tell people I remember everything and they're like, no, you don't. And I'm like, well, I remembered when you did this and like, holy fuck, like how did, and why do you know that? And I'm like, because I remembered it. Like, yeah. it, something about that stuck with me. And it's like, in 85 years, though, I might be like, I remember that, but I don't remember the reason or, you know, yeah. a specific <clears throat> detail because in my mind, my memory is out of space. Yeah. Um, so to kind of dive in to some of the research, I have, and for anyone, I was trying to do this for our ancient Egypt podcast that we just did. I'm, I'm trying to just call out the websites that I found all this on it. The research, oddly enough, on this subject is a little bit harder to kind of pull out of Google than ancient Egypt stuff is. Um, but That's because ancient Egypt has been around for thousands of years. Well, and there's, I think it's just a little, there's a lot more people studying ancient Egypt than there are who are like experts on the human brain, I think. And, the, or I think it's the easier people to who study are, about ancient Egypt than the brain. Well, yeah. And I think the people that are posting any of the real research and facts about what we're learning on the human brain are all published in like scientific journals that we're just not going to have access to. It's not just we gotta, like we gotta pay websites on and Google and shit like that. It's like only other MDs are reading this stuff. So anyway, um, this first source that I have is kind of about how 
the human brain and memory, how memory works within the human brain. And this is actually from a, it's science.howstuffworks.com. And it's basically a article about, it's like inside the mind, human brain memory. You can, you can just search that stuff in Google and it'll pull up. Um, but it kind of goes into, and to kind of go what we were talking about when you're, when we're talking about like the last time you accessed a memory or whatever, a, a lot of times when I think of memory, I think about visuals, but what's very interesting is like, if you hear a song sometimes that you used to really love in middle school, it'll bring you back to memories and like bring memories to the forefront of your brain right. about being in middle school. Or if you smell something in particular about it's it reminds it you of your grandma's that. house or something, it'll trigger memories of being at your grandma's. It's very interesting how memory works. So this is kind of talking about how it's like, it's less one particular sense like visual and it's more like several different parts of the brain and several different sensations that you're absorbing in your brain that make up a memory. So it's saying your memory is really made up of a group of systems that each play a different role in creating, storing, and recalling your memories. When the brain processes information normally, all of these different systems work together perfectly to provide cohesive thought. So it says, what seems to be a single memory is actually a complex construction. If you think of an object, say a pen, your brain retrieves the object's name, its shape, its function, the sound when it scratches across the page. Each part of the memory of what a pen is comes from a different region of the brain. The entire image of pen is actively reconstructed by the brain from many different areas. Neurologists are only beginning to understand how the parts are reassembled into a coherent whole. So that last little sentence just goes to what I was talking about with that Coach Johnson speech of like, okay, we're able to, like, I don't know how they do if it's, like, through CT scans or whatever. They're able to be like, okay, he's pulling this part of the memory, you know, it's lighting up this area of the brain, and then this is coming from this area of the brain. But, like, we don't understand how, okay, all this information about, like, the touch and feel of this chapstick and me seeing its color and me knowing its function and me knowing the name and what the name means, how all of that is put together and assembled in my brain to, like, days from now still remember me picking up this chapstick while we were doing this co- this podcast you know what i mean they don't really right. get how it works like that but they know that it's more than just me accessing like a visual slideshow of me holding this chapstick it's more than that it's like an encompassing of this all these different areas well, i guess then and maybe you'll touch on this but i guess maybe diving into you know a wormhole wouldn't our entire lives be based on memory because when you're a little kid, you don't know how to talk, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to talk. Then you learn your ABCs. You learn your numbers. That's all stuff that you have to remember. Yeah. But to remember something means you have to go back and go, okay, when I was, you know, one and a half, because I'm a super genius, I knew the alphabet forward and backwards, right? So I have to pull from my memory to know what every single letter of the alphabet is every time I look at a word. Then I, the first time I see that word and, you know, pronounce it and, and read through it, I have to remember what that word, how it sounded. Yeah. The, the you know, the, the spelling the of it. The look of the spelling. The look yeah, of yeah. it. Everything. That's all. That means everything we go through every single day is f- fully off of memory. Right. So to what you're saying, we'll get into this later in the discussion. That's why memory appears to be so vital in the idea of what it is to be you or me and like what our consciousness and our identity is. And it's all based on memory. So it begs the question, 
this is something interesting that came up in the show Westworld that I was watching. So there's like in that show there's sentient robots that look like right. humans, right? I don't know if anyone's out there watched it. I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Season four is coming out later this year. Shout out to HBO. Um, there's for a Game scene of <laughs> for Game of Thrones. Um, there's a scene in that show where they basically try and wipe this one robot's hard drive, for instance, all of her her memory. And the idea in that scene and why it's so like painful to see is like they're essentially killing her. Like she can still function, she'll still be sentient, she'll she's she will still be able to develop new memories, but every memory that she had up to that that like made her her is gone. gone. So it, it goes to show like what would happen if you could do that to a person, if you could just well, wipe out which is essentially what Alzheimer's does, which is why it's so devastating to see someone going through the effects of Alzheimer's is right. because what happens to your identity and your personality when your memories are slowly chipped away or it's quickly chipped away to where you go from right. recognizing your own son or daughter to yeah. going who are you yeah and then at that point you're like you, you become you, completely untethered from everything right. that's ever happened to you in life which, which made you you but because you are the the total summation of all of your experiences in life right, right? so if you can't remember those experiences then who are you i, I think a better version of like a you know comparison for that would be someone that maybe was in like a car crash and had a traumatic brain injury yeah that they're recovering from they go i don't remember anything i don't remember ever getting in the car that day i don't Mm -hmm. remember this i don't remember that you know they, they might lose memory for like a month they're like i don't remember anything back till this specific day i remember some things before then but then moving forward, they're going to start building those new memories. Yeah. Whereas, like, yeah, like an Alzheimer's or a dementia, people that are going through that, it's just more like their memories, like, it's just like they got a virus and it's just yeah. deleting every file. Like, it's yeah. just like remove, remove, remove. And yeah. then it comes to the point where the brain is like, I have nothing to go off of. Like, right. I forget how to send a signal to my heart to beat, yeah. to my lungs to push oxygen, you know, into my bloodstream and then have it get sent around like it's like your your the memory of your body is just like we have no clue what we're doing yeah anymore and it's pretty horrifying there's there's no reset it's just we don't know what we're doing the only thing we can think of is more or less to self-destruct ourselves yeah and like that's what ends up happening unfortunately like it's a sad i think that's part like partially the saddest way for people to go that's one of the most devastating diseases out there hands down it's horrible you could have it right now right and you look completely fine. You look normal. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, what's up? And you're like, who are you? And I'm like, yeah. what do you mean, who am I? Like, yeah. we've known each other for like 20 years. And you're like, I have no clue who you are. Right. And I'm like, all right, this is the last time you'll ever see me then. Because yeah. I, w- I don't want to go through. I have all these memories. But you can't even think of who I am. Yeah. And I saw you yesterday. Yeah. Right? It's just like. It's pretty devastating. Um, to try and <laughs> hopefully get off of that really depressing subject. So it goes on to kind of explain the process of... So that little introductory bit was like, okay, we now know, or the the predominant theory is now like, when you're creating a memory or accessing a memory, it's a conglomeration of all of these different sensory inputs, right? Right. Or information. Um, So it's saying, this doesn't mean that scientists have figured out exactly how the system works. They still don't fully understand exactly how you remember or what occurs during recall. The search for how the brain organizes memories and where those memories are acquired and stored has been a never-ending quest among brain researchers for decades. Still, there is enough information to make some educated guesses. 
The process of memory begins with encoding, then proceeds to storage and eventually retrieval. Encoding is the first step in creating a memory. It's a biological phenomenon rooted in the senses that begins with perception. Consider, for example, the memory of the first person you ever fell in love with. When you meet that person, your visual system likely registered physical features such as the color of their eyes and hair. Your auditory system may have picked up the sound of their laugh. You probably noticed the scent of their perfume or cologne. You may have even felt the touch of their hand. Each of these separate sensations traveled to the part of your brain called the hippocampus, which integrated these perceptions as they were occurring into one single experience, your, your experience of that specific person. So that's encoding. The next step is, um, so what, what, what did it say the next step was? Uh, storage and then eventually retrieval. So it's saying, um, although a memory begins with perception, it is encoded and stored using the language of electricity and chemicals. This is what's pretty fascinating about the human brain. Here's how it works. Nerve cells connect with other cells at a point called a synapse. All the action in your brain occurs at these synapses where electrical pulses carrying a message leap across gaps between cells. Once a memory is created, it must be stored, no matter how briefly. Many experts think there are three ways we store memories. First, in the sensory stage, then in the short-term memory, and then ultimately, for some memories, in long-term memory. Because there is no need for us to maintain everything in our brain, the different stages of human memory function as a sort of filter that helps to protect us from the flood of information that we're confronted with on a daily basis, which is kind of like, kind of makes sense. You don't remember every single piece of information you're constantly putting right. contact with throughout every day of your life. That's just but, too much information. But how do we differentiate what is important and what's not important, right? Apparently, the brain is able to do that. Well, and I guess you but probably you consciously have some input on that too. Like if you're going to study for a test, your whole point in cramming for that test the week prior is to consume and store the information in the textbook or wherever it is. Not like what music you were listening to while you were studying, or what kind of gum you were chewing. Was it day or night out? You're, that information, your brain is probably like, hey, we don't actually need this we're clearly honing in on what is the information in this textbook that we're going to need next Tuesday at 8 a.m. But at the same time, then your brain goes, what was the sun, though? So then your your brain's going, okay, well, screw the file system to try and get an A on the test. What, what, what was it light out? Or like you know, what, what song, what, what album song was I listening I listen to? to? Yeah. You know, and then well, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I should know this. I remember yeah. reading it, yeah. but I don't yeah, remember yeah, 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 yeah. reading it. Right, like, or I don't remember what it said, but I right. remember coming across it. Well, that's why they say it's... Um, you Study know, in little increments. Well, yeah, well, there's that. So there's all this advice you get from teachers at, throughout school, right, about like studying and, and trying to recall information from, for tests. But one of the things they do say is like it does help to like listen to music while you're studying or maybe just like instrumentals if like the right. having the for, for Beethoven. me for me having the words in it kind of distracts me sometimes so like instrumental Your music is really weak. helpful. Well, my memory's shit. That's that's <laughs> been very well established. Um, and if you chew gum, which I like chewing gum a lot, they say if you chew gum while you're studing and then chew the same type of gum or it doesn't even have to be the same type of gum, but chew gum again but during the test. But you put yourself in a routine. Yeah, you can, you, it'll, like, it'll almost kind of like help flip a switch in your brain of like, oh, hey, the last time we were chewing gum, we were sitting down learning about astrophysics, and then now we're doing an astrophysics test. Let's bring all that information to the forefront. It, it's, it's all stuff that can kind of help. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because now that what we've just read through, what we've learned about memory is like your, 
trying to recall that information for the test is recalling memory. And if the most effective way to recall memory is to have all of those different sensory inputs put together this memory for you, it would help to have, oh, I remember what album I was listening to while I was studying this. I remember what gum I was chewing. I remember what pen I was using or whatever. All of those things will start to click into place. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I remember reading on that one page, there was this little table, and it said this in there. And this is answer C to this question or whatever. And then you get your test back, and you're like, fuck, failed again. <laughs> that, that could definitely but, okay, happen. Okay, so but. think of this, though. They're, they keep saying, to their best knowledge, yeah. so because they don't know yet. So like, yeah. they could be like, well, to our best knowledge, you know, there's three stages. And in reality, they're like, no. Nah. Just like this part of your brain is more functional than that part, whereas in the person you're talking to, all three parts of their brain are functioning at the same higher level than yours as far as their memory goes. So, like, I have a better memory than you when it comes to certain things. So mm -hmm. my memory, maybe my long-term memory, is more refined than yours, whereas, like, you could remember the past week, you know, almost minute to minute. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. I can remember stuff from 2006. And you're right. like, dude, I can't even remember something from a year ago. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll have that stored. Like, yeah. I'll tell you. Mine's very interesting. Just speaking from a personal perspective, I've always, I've seen there's like apps you can download. There's books you can read and like programs you can watch or whatever that are supposed to help you refine your memory recall skills and like help improve or sharpen your memory. I don't know scientifically speaking how like effective all of that stuff is, but I've always kind of seen that stuff and been like, that's probably something I should give a shot to at some point. Cause my long-term memory is really hazy. Like it's just really, it, it's like I can remember I'm very good at like storing information about stuff that I care about a lot, which makes sense. I, right. mean, I think most people are like that. But just recalling like certain events, like for specific examples, you and me and Brandon will get together sometimes and we'll talk about high school football and you guys will be bringing up stuff that happened during specific games. And like, I have no memory of that <laughs> game like, ever even uh -huh. occurring. I'm just like, like if I looked at a schedule and the scores, I could be like, oh yeah, I kind of remember we were away at Ralston Valley when that happened. But like, I don't remember anything about what happened. I can't recall certain plays. I don't know if I played well or if I played like shit. I don't remember anything you about it. Like shit. <laughs> and, and you're over here like, yeah, I remember at the end of the game when we threw that pass deep in the corner of the end zone and Dalton Vickles caught it and put one foot in or whatever. And I'm like, no, I don't remember that. Like, what are you talking about? You're like, who are we And it's playing? like, I was there. I experienced all of it. I watched it. And so where right. did that go? It's just like, is it in there somewhere and I just don't have access to it? Or did or, it just get deleted? Like, I don't know what happened. Or is it because maybe for like, Brandon and I, we both enjoyed playing high school. Well, football. and that might be we both, a lot, big part of it. Too, that yeah. was like you know, like the last game of the season when we we lost in the playoffs. I don't think I saw you like cry. I cried because I was like, "This is the last time I'm ever going to play football." Yeah, organized football. This yeah, is the yeah. last time I'll ever put pads on and yeah. represent my school. And like, yeah. you know, I put everything on the line, and now. I'm done. Like, this is it. Like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I will never touch a football field in an organized sense again. Where you were like, well, I already have a couple D1 offers. You know, I'm, I'm going to go play. And you, you were like, whatever. Like, I don't necessarily care about high school football in the sense of, you know, I wanted to win a state championship. So it meant more to me. So it, it probably sits more with me because 
those are memories I'm going to go back on. Like King, for example, goes, dude, I remember when I can't remember who the player was, but he just absolutely destroyed him oh, off the yeah. edge. Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr, right. From UCLA. Yeah, absolutely yeah. destroyed him off the edge when you guys played UCLA. <laughs> he remembers that. And By the way, shout out to you for finding that clip that video, on YouTube. That was fucking great. After watching that video, I can understand. Well, I don't know how he remembers it, but he I can understand why it. he remembers it. Right, yeah. You can you know, understand how it's so impactful on right. his memory. Yeah. It's one of those things if and, and anytime maybe he watches, I think Anthony Barr still plays with the Vikings. I think he does, yeah. Um, He's still but, in the pros it's for like, sure. If He's you good. watch the NFL and you hear Anthony Barr, King's gonna, immediately going to go, dude, that guy fucked me up. Right, that's the first every thing he time. thinks about it's every time. Every time. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the first the, thing I think about when I hear Anthony Barr right, every and it's, time. It's not yeah. a memory of like, yo, Anthony Barr's a great player. It's a memory of like, yo, Anthony Barr fucked me up in a game <laughs> and like gave me a major concussion. Up. Yeah. Like, when you get hit that hard, you probably shouldn't remember what happened, but then you yeah. see it once and your body's like, oh, dude, that hurt. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, well, I shouldn't remember it, but I do. I'm, I'm going to touch on something that I just thought of, but I want to get to this this little part right here addresses exactly what we were just talking about. So it says, when you want to remember something, you retrieve the information on an unconscious level, bringing it into your conscious mind at will. While most people think they have either a, quote, bad or a, quote, good memory, in fact, most people are fairly good at remembering some types of things and not so good at remembering others, which is like just what we were talking about. If you do have trouble remembering something, assuming you don't have a physical disease, it's usually not the fault of your entire memory system, but an inefficient component of one part of your memory system. So maybe so that's what's stupid. Maybe <laughs> So your memory is just stupid. Maybe that's what's going on with me. Like I'm for certain high school games, I'm missing some either like the feeling of standing on the turf or the smell of the turf or remembering the color of the jerseys. One part of that system is like faulty or it's not as accurate as it should be. And as a whole, I can't reconstruct that memory at will like you can. Right. Maybe I, that's but, what's going on. But again, on. I think a lot of that, and again, we're not experts, but I think a lot of that comes back to – Maybe you didn't care about high school football. Maybe you didn't want to be there that night. Maybe on that Friday, Thursday or Friday night, you didn't want to be at Shea Stadium. Yeah. And so to you, you were like, let's just get this over with and move yeah. on to the next day. So your body's like, you know, the way your memory thinks is, oh, no. But then when you went to college and you played it, LSU or Texas yeah. or whatever, you're like, I remember walking out of right, the tunnel right. and, yeah. and seeing I remember the this. crowd yeah, and everything yeah. is because you wanted to be there. Maybe you didn't want to be there playing yeah. because you're like, we're about to get fucking stomped on <laughs> yeah. by LSU. But you're like, I wanted to be here. I wanted to experience that feeling of walking yeah. out there and, and going yeah. through all of that. Whereas high school, you were like, I'm kind of just here. Like, I'm a big body. I don't necessarily know if I want to play football today, yeah. you know. But maybe you remember like the Vista game when there was a cheap shot taken at your knee. You're like, I definitely remember that. I remember it because something d detrimental happened to you in that game, yeah, right? Yeah. Or when you hurt your shoulder, you're like, I remember that because I definitely remember that know, one too. Yeah, it was very painful. There are certain things that like stuck with you about that that game. Yeah. Instead of being like, well, I didn't really necessarily care to be there. Like you could go, well, I remember getting Gatorades after the game. It's like, <laughs> well, that's because you enjoyed the Gatorades compared <laughs> yeah, to yeah. enjoying the football <laughs> yeah, game, exactly. right? That was the yeah. part you chose to, right, to right, remember. Right. Um, this last little bit on this first website says, researchers have several theories about what's behind this deterioration, but most suspect that aging causes major cell loss in a tiny region in the front of the brain that leads to a drop in the production of a neurotransmitter called, oh boy, uh, acetyl. Acetyl something. Acetylcholine. <laughs> I fucking butchered <laughs> that. 
Acetylcholine <laughs> is vital to learning and memory. Um, in addition, some parts of the brain that are essential to memory are highly vulnerable to aging. One area called the hippocampus, which I mentioned a few minutes ago, loses 5% of its nerve cells with each passing decade for a total loss of 20% by the time you reach your 80s. In addition, the brain itself shrinks and becomes less efficient as you age, which is that's just great to know. But so that that but all of that affects even even a normal person who doesn't have Alzheimer's disease is going to be affected by right. memory loss Unless as they like, age because of this. But I think it also goes from person to person mm-hmm. like but their math doesn't make sense there to me. They're like, "Yeah, you lose 5% every decade, but you only can lose up to 20% by the time you get to 80." And I'm like, "Well, wait a second. Math to me makes 40% out of you know eight decades yeah i guess i didn't pay attention to the math but it, so so it comes to it's like well when you hit 30 you start to just fucking deteriorate that's when you go downhill <laughs> just call it quits check out and go enjoy the beach yeah yeah you know they're like after 30 your memory is shit it's, you're fucked it's over take pictures maybe that's why all older people take pictures though is because it yeah. brings it's that flash card of like boom oh i remember well that we is a there. very um it's a very amazing bit of technology that we have access to now is to be able to take video, like high, high quality, very clear, picture clear video and pictures of our life experiences and moments. Because then, like you said, if you – because everyone knows that the human memory can be incredibly faulty. Like that's something that comes up in the justice system a lot when they right. have witnesses who come up onto the stand and try and recall what happened some night three years ago. you're under ago. pressure. You're yeah. under oath. And like it's all like this. you'll start – the the color of the car or the shirt that the killer was wearing it starts to be different than it actually was and it's like right. having a picture to look at and go oh yeah maybe his shirt was red I do now remember that or whatever but like in your brain for whatever reason that bit of information got fuzzy and right. it's like, you know, like he was in a shirt yeah like all I can tell you is he was in a shirt I think it was long might have been dark black I don't know and it's like no it was actually red and short <laughs> it's like and then you're like oh so it was a, it was a sh- okay he was in a short sleeve red shirt and after he did this he went over here and did this and then they're like oh so you do remember it and you're like yeah. well yeah i just need you guys to like fire it off and well and here's here's something show that me. i have always kind of thought of this machine in front of me right here this macbook pro as like my own little personal um, time traveling device or like it's like a external hard drive for my brain cuz there are i have pictures on this thing going back 15 years and like videos too of like concerts we've been to and shit like that or like just funny shit that our friends have gotten up to and like i'll every once in a while i'll go onto my photos app and i'll go look back through those pictures from years and years ago and there's shit that i like totally forgot about i'm like oh yeah i remember us doing that or like people that i have completely forgotten about i'm like damn that dude lived next to me in the dorms and i fucking totally forgot he was a person so it's like the our computers have the ability to store information like that far better than our brains do because at least for someone like me, a lot of that stuff starts to get fuzzier and fuzzier right. the farther back you go, but the, the computer recalls it perfectly every time. But at the same time, that the picture captures the moment, but it doesn't yeah. capture the memory. Right, true, Your true. brain still has that memory in there. It's just how you access the memory is different compared right. to like maybe me, right? Yeah. I could show you a video of a, a high school football play and you'd be like, oh, I do remember that. Right. You know, like, do you remember a play against Heritage our senior year? No, you don't. Well, you stepped out of bounds at like the 40-yard line and you ran all the way down in the oh, end zone and that. you got yeah, tripped I'd, up in the end zone, right? You could be that. like, I don't remember that play at all. And then I show you the video and you're like, 
I do remember that because no one on my team ran into the end zone, and we're like, yeah, we heard the whistle, so we stopped. <laughs> and we just watched you run all the way down. That was a good one. That was zone. a good one. I, I to, be, to be completely honest, I heard the whistle too, but it wasn't very loud. And, I, and everyone was – the defense was still kind of playing. So I was like, I'm just going to keep going. Because it's like it's always better to just keep going right. and play out the play than it is to stop. Then and hear like, maybe like 40 they whistles and right. you're like, oh, okay. Now and maybe I'll they stop. didn't blow the whistle. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to run, and if I score, I score. And if it counts, great. If they call it back, then whatever. But, like, I'm, I'm going to just – I was pissed, and I was very tired, but I do know what you're talking about. I remember – you probably don't remember this part, though. We got back in the huddle, and you're fucking tired and exhausted because you probably ran like 60 yards. I ran far. (laughs) And then you had to come all the way back, and I'm pretty sure they called the exact same play to you. And you were just like pissed. You are like checked out at that time. like, fuck this. I don't want to play anymore. I'm done. I quit. And we're like, dude, it's okay. Like, it's okay. Can we give the ball to Garrett this play? Jesus Christ. Um so this next little bit, that was the end of the research that I had from that first website. This second one, this is still talking about memory, but this is a website. Um, it's on nautil.us, like .com, and it's, it has something about, the, the article title is, Your Brain Makes You a Different Person Every Day, which was, I was like, well, I'm clicking on this. This sounds fucking interesting. And this is basically an interview with a neuroscientist named David Eagleman, um, and he has an interview, I guess, from this this website called Nautilus. Or I, I don't know if it's a newspaper or what, but they are clearly focused on like neuroscience or they have a section that focuses on it. And they did an interview with this guy and he's talking about the brain. And I pulled out, it was like, it was like a Q&A is how the article was set up. And I, I pulled out some like interesting shit from this article. Um, so I'm just going to run through these real quick and then we can get more into the philosophical part of the discussion. But one of the Q&As was... The question was, you say we've barely begun to understand how malleable our brains are. Are they getting rewired every day? And his answer was, every moment of your life, your brain is rewiring. You've got 86 billion neurons and a fraction of a quadrillion connections between them. These vast seas of connections are constantly changing their strength and they're unconnecting and reconnecting elsewhere. It's why you are a slightly different person than you were a week ago or a year ago. When you learned that my name is David, there's a physical change in the structure of your brain. That's what it means to remember something. So this is that little tidbit right there is something that I've always, you know how like, I don't know, I've heard people ask this question a lot and it seems like everyone has a different opinion on this, but like if I were to ask you the question, do you think people change? Yes or no. What do you say to that question? Oh yeah. Everyone's okay. changing. That's what I say too. Because some people are like, no, people don't change. And it's a, lo- a lot of times I feel like it comes from the perspective of like someone who has like fucked them over. And so they go, oh, well, people don't change. Like this person's always going to be a piece of shit or whatever. I have always been under the assumption that people change. It's obvious. And every single day you're changing, every single week, every single month, every single year. And you are not the same person than you were last week or last month or last year or 10 years ago. Right. I it's think, very obvious to me I that, think, no one, that no one is the exact same all the time throughout life. That doesn't make right. any sense. Now, there's certain things in life that don't change necessarily, right? I think like, there's certain aspects of your personality that stay pretty constant. But to me, if what we've just spent the last 30 minutes talking about is true and let every single day... You're building new memories because of all of the new information and sensory input that you're getting in your brain every single day. It's just obvious to me that you're not going to be the same that, as you right. were after this information and the sensory input than you were prior to this. Right. Sensory so, input. so, like, you know what I mean? Like, just for, it's for someone holding a grudge, maybe like in a relationship, they cheated on them, right? So, to the person who got cheated on, they're going to go, "They're a cheater." 
you know, they're a piece of shit and they're never going to change their ways yeah. because they just cheated on their new ex-girlfriend or, what, yeah. or ex-boyfriend or whatever. And so they're sitting there going, once a cheater, always a cheater, you know, all this bullshit, like they're never going to change. It's like, well, no, technically they're changing, but they're changing the way that they feel and think about right. said person that is now in their life. Yeah. They didn't like you anymore, so they changed their their mind and their memory to be, okay, I don't like this person anymore. I'm moving on. Is it the right way to do it? That's for them to decide and yeah. them to live with. But for you to sit there and hold the grudge of, oh, they're a cheater. They've cheated multiple times. It's like, well, maybe that's just a tendency that they have, but they're changing because, right. you know, first they started out with a blonde-haired you know, girl. Then they went to a brunette. Now they're with a redhead. Like, they're changing. They're changing certain aspects of everyday well, life for them. And just because they have a repeat tendency doesn't mean that they're not changing. Yeah. Well, and also that's just a very black and white perspective to look at people. And we're a lot more gray and complicated than that because yeah, maybe someone has repeat tendencies like that, but they're also changing in many other ways that you don't see, especially if you're not seeing and interacting them with, with them on a daily basis. Like it's just your memory of them doesn't change. It's your, your concept and your memory of what they did to you doesn't change because like, you know, like I said, I remember what my dad did to me multiple times as far as not getting me cotton candy, showing up late to a basketball game, you know, that didn't have an effect on my life with my dad and I, that, right. that didn't affect me. So it changed. Then the next day I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, I moved on. Yeah. And then the next day I moved on and now it's like, okay, I remember it, but it's, I don't have a grudge. Like, you know, in that moment I was pissed at you. Now I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's kind of, it's funny to look back yeah. on and it's funny to know that I remember this shit all the time and but it's like we we both changed from that exact moment we changed literally the next minute yeah because it goes out of your mind by the way tough look for your dad on this podcast <laughs> i don't know if it's, he listens to i don't this, i wouldn't say it's a tough look on my dad it's a more of a tough look on anybody i mean i could bring up a lot of different shit throughout time that if people do listen to this podcast and like motherfucker like how do you remember that and it's like well i'm gonna remember it even more now because it you know upsets you like i i have that memory into where i can be like oh this is gonna piss you off so i'm gonna say it to you and then you're gonna be like how do you like like why like seriously why and i'm like i don't know but see what it's doing to you it has zero effect on me but i remember it because it had an effect on me which means i'm gonna remember it but now it doesn't bother me yeah but i'm gonna remember it because now it bothers you that i remembered about it and i brought it up so you're a little shit is what you're I'm saying a, I'm, a, I'm a real i'm a big shit okay i just wanted you to, to to say that into the microphone um okay so the next question from that interview was you say we've barely begun to understand wait wait wait, wait. did i just read that i did just read that the next Your question memory is failing you i was like wait that seems familiar from 30 seconds ago um what's an example of competition in the brain And his response is, we always think about the area at the back of the brain where you do all the seeing, all the visual cortex, or as the visual cortex, rather. But if you go blind, in fact, if we even just blindfold you tightly and stick you in a scanner for a little while, we'll see that other areas like touch and hearing are starting to encroach on that area. For somebody who's born blind, the whole area is used for completely different things, touch, hearing, memorizing vocabulary words, and so on. So we have to change our notion of just labeling areas, oh, this part of the brain is for vision. I found that to be pretty interesting because he's well, talking about like if you deprive one sense. All your other the, senses are stronger. They get heightened, which is like right. 
kind of makes sense to stuff like you know that's the whole concept behind the superhero Daredevil is he's blind but he hears at like a superhuman level and that's so why he's he, able to he still fight crime because he can hear the creaking everything. of a tree right you know 30 feet yeah. away or 30 yards away when no one everyone's like what yeah. was that because like, it's like for people who can see they're not relying on their hearing as much as he is right where it's like that's his only sensory input is his ears so he's hearing at a level that you don't you and I don't experience um well so I wonder how that works then. Maybe this will be a little off topic, but for someone that's colorblind, because to me that would mean you're still seeing, but your brain is blocking the detail. Like you're like, yeah. I can see that, but it's, you know, it's just more gray to me. You know, yeah. it's just a darker shade to me, but I can't define what color it is. And then all of a sudden now they have those glasses that help show the color, which is a fucking so of technology. Cool. Like, so cool. I, I would love to uh, like dive into how that works yeah, with yeah. the brain and everything because it's amazing. Now, now you're teaching the brain to see something that it couldn't see on its own. Right. So yeah. how is that altering your brain? Like, yeah. You, like, you can kind of it. you can kind of understand how someone who was colorblind and who now has those glasses would just start like crying immediately. Dude, when those they, like, videos look are so because like, you would be so overwhelmed. Like you, right. if you think you don't about even it, know what's going, going on, going through your entire life without ever seeing color and then just being bombarded with all of these different well, vibrant, beautiful colors, you would just start bawling. You're right. like, this is fucking amazing. This and is what you guys all get to see right. all the time. You guys watch HDTV <laughs> yeah. like this and now I'm seeing it. But, yeah. but like, think about that for someone that grew up, their, their entire memory is in black and white. You know, yeah. they, they truly can't be like. Remember when we saw that massive green pasture with the right. beautiful blue sky? And they're like, nah, I saw gray shit and gray shit. <laughs> and now you take yeah. them back to that same spot and you go, this is what you saw 30 yeah. years ago. Yeah. 30 years ago, this is exactly what you saw. And they're like, holy shit, this is beautiful. Yeah. Like you're rewriting their memory, but it's more or less like if we go back and watch TV from the 40s before they right. flip to color now you put those movies in color someone that might have grown up watching them in black and gray go holy shit this movie's like looks right. amazing right but this is their life like they're like yeah i didn't i never saw this shit now i do like yeah. they're rewriting everything in their brain because yeah. now the color of my you know that's not a good example because they're gray <laughs> like the color of the sign there's yeah. a neon orange in it they mm -hmm. couldn't see that or, right. or maybe they could I, I don't know how all the color blindness out yeah. there works but they couldn't see that. Now they do, and they go, holy shit. I heard the Broncos have orange yeah, and blue as yeah, their yeah. colors, but I've never seen it. Right. I don't know why I didn't use my shirt thinking about it. You're this bright-ass Broncos orange Bronco shirt. shirt. But it's like, to that to someone that color, is colorblind, maybe it's gray. Yeah. And they're like, I know I know that it's orange, but I don't know what orange is. That, I was going to say that pulls, that brings up an interesting point for me is like, how do you – what is a colorblind person's concept of colors? <laughs> I think there's because it's very hard to describe a color to someone who doesn't know what it is. You know what I, I mean? I don't think you really can. Like if you were if you set out to try and describe orange to someone who had never seen orange before, I don't even know where you would begin. You know, because you mean? can't be. I mean, I think they can. T they have the light difference, right? Like it's bright out I, and it's dark. Yeah. Like, so I'd be like, exactly it's a brighter it works, color. But. As far as if I put it up against, you know, a gray the. Shit, that's not a good example. For See, it's color. hard because what but you like, try and do when describing a color is compare it to other colors. And right. if they don't see other colors, you can't be like, well, it kind of looks like yellow. They're like, I don't know what that you're, means you're either. Like, what hey, does yellow look like? You're like, this is a gray <laughs> thing. And they're like, that is gray. And then you're like, and now this is a vibrant orange shirt. And they're like, no, it's gray. And you're like, 
Like, okay. So what's the difference between these two to you? And they're like, they blend in. <laughs> and you're like, fuck. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that whole, like, sensory overload. Well, not, I mean, not overload, but change of, okay, we can't. I can't see anything, so yeah, I hear everything. Yeah. Or my sense of feeling and my touch because yeah. I'm guided by my ears and my hands. Yeah. You know, that like when the the um the walkers, the mm-hmm. those sticks, yeah. They are so like I've seen, you know, plenty of people that just navigate so perfect with yeah. with those things and it's like, dude, I'm tripping over my own feet and, and I can, I can see, see yeah. and I can see where <laughs> yeah. I'm coming. And just with your your walker, you're able to feel the surface. Just you're, like I've seamlessly, seen, yeah. I've seen people on skateboards with them, going through like parks, jumping on rails, jumping on ledges, and I'm like, that's incredible. How? And it's just yeah. like it's it. Their sensors just oh, they feel it with the stick, and it's already processed. Right, right. Whereas I'm like, I see the ledge, and I'm like, oh yeah. shit, you're still gonna trip up. I tripped yeah, over yeah. it, and here they're skateboarding on it, and it's just like. So there's this last little tidbit from that article that I was talking about with the uh, the neuroscientist. Uh, what did I say his name is? David Eagleman. Um, and the question is, you have a fascinating bit of speculation about the reason we dream is to protect our visual imagery. Are you saying we might lose the ability to see if we didn't dream? And he said, exactly. We have electricity for lighting now, but in evolutionary time, 99.99% of it, we didn't have that. We really were in the dark. Your hearing and your touch were just fine in the dark, but your vision was disadvantaged. And given the speed of takeover, that means the visual cortex is going to get taken over just by dint of the planet's rotation. Years ago, my student Don Vaughn and I worked out a model showing that dreaming appears to be a way of keeping the visual cortex defended every night. And the way that that happens is with very specific circuitry. Every 90 minutes, you have neurons in the midbrain start popping off and slamming activity into this visual cortex. It's pretty much random activity, but it appears to be a defensive activation where it says, okay, it's nighttime, you're sleeping, we've got to keep this thing active so it doesn't get taken over by its neighbors. (laughs) I had never heard that before, but I I guess this is just a theory from this one guy. But aren't there nights Um, you go without dreaming? That for sure does happen. So then, but, um, does that mean your brain's like, "Yo, shit, words like an intergalactic war between him? I I don't know. I don't know. This is his theory: is that like if we kind of the purpose of dreaming is to keep that part of your brain that is used for visual eyesight active a little bit, even while you're unconscious, so that it, you don't just lose the well, ability see, to see. Like none of that makes sense to me because they're like the ability to see right is it, it obviously a function of the brain, but you still need. We have to use our eyes to see. We have to use our eyes to process everything. So we're using this part of our brain, but blind people, I'm pretty sure, have dreams, but they can't see. So are their dreams just dark, but it's them, you know, feeling and and hearing everything? Like question. Like it becomes one of those things of because they can't see anything, do they? Can they not visualize? But that part of me becomes like one of those like creative writers and stuff like that. I. How did you ever come up with like an orc? Yeah, how right? did you visualize, how did you visualize and then describe that? what you were visualizing? Like, it's not a real thing, obviously. Like I guarantee you there are blind people out there that could write the most fascinating books and they have zero visual concept yeah. in quotes. They're just building some they're, world. They're just yeah. building a world off of, you know, thought. Yeah. You know, so it's like to me a dream is just like like there's really random dreams I have that I'm like, holy shit, that was awesome. Like 
but it has no correlation to anything I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So it's just... It's a total a, fantasy world. Right. So it's A like, lot of mine are like that. In fact, most of my dreams are like that. Right. But it's like if they don't have any direct impact or influence from things I've seen or gone through, then how could I ever you know, process that through a part of my... The, the seeing part of my brain? I've never um, seen or visualized or done anything. And all of a sudden, you're telling me that that is how I continue to see. I'm like... Yeah. I kind well, of would. I'm not an expert, but I would debate yeah. that. It's just a theory. It's just this guy's theory. It sounds like. Um, if you take the, I, don't, I know you haven't probably seen the new Doctor Strange, but if you take the no. theory from Doctor Strange, this is like a slight minor spoiler for Doctor Strange. But if you take the theory from the new movie, the dreams you're having are actually experiences that are happening to your alternate universe selves. Think about that. I feel like that would be more accurate than. I have to dream to continue to see because then every night I don't Fair dream point. I'm going to wake up and be like fuck do I have 40-40 vision now um, so to kind of shift gears um, so that those first two sources that I had were more about the science of human memory and how it works these next two sources that I'm going to bring up are more about the philosophical aspects of how memory and consciousness affect our, our personality essentially so this next one is from just a, uh, an article I found on thousandwordphilosophy.com. And it was basically kind of like a easy... I found this and it was like an easy, quick summation of some complicated philosophical ideas about memory and consciousness. So this one's called Psychological Approaches to Personal Identity. Do Memories and Consciousness Make Us Who We Are? Um, so... I'm going to read the little intro and then we'll kind of go through some of these things they have here because it gets, it gets very muddled, but I think it'll make for good conversation. And we'll see if you and I can like decipher some of this, these philosophical paradoxes. Gotta turn my brain on. Yeah. So it says, think about a memory from childhood, something you did or something that happened to you. That was you, right? But what makes you the same person as the kid you remember being? This question concerns personal identity. What makes someone and the same person over time. Some answers appeal to biological sameness, being in some sense the same organism over time. Other answers appeal to psychological sameness, having in some sense the same mind over time. Personal identity is explained in psychological terms, having conscious experiences and memories of those experiences. So this essay explores psychological approaches. So this first one, psychological theories. We sometimes think, I'm not the same person I used to be, which kind of goes to what we were talking about earlier about how people change over time. Many of our characteristics change. We are not what's called qualitatively identical over time. But literally, each one of us is the same person we used to be. Personal identity is a matter of being what's called numerically identical to who we used to be, being one in the same person or a single individual. So this philosopher John Locke, who they mention here, and I have another article that talks about him. I guess he was he lived from 1632 to 1704. <laughs> That's pretty um, old back then. I don't know a lot about him, but he came up a lot when I was searching for these philosophical ideas about memory and consciousness. So clearly it was something that was very interesting to him. He famously argued that persons are conscious, intellect, conscious intelligent beings capable of rationality and reflection, including self-reflection. Um, he then theorized that personal identity is a matter of consciousness. Quote, as far as this consciousness can be extended backwards to any past action or thought, so far reaches the identity of that person. 
So it says, this is sometimes understood as a memory theory of personal identity. And this is where it starts to get a little complicated. Person A is numerically identical to some past person, person B, if and only if A remembers experiences had by B. So that that little section right there or that argument is that you are only identical to your how old were you with the cotton candy incident? Like 12, 12, maybe 11. You are only identical. You are only the same person as that 12-year-old version of yourself because if, if you I can remember. remember the experiences of being that 12-year-old version of yourself. So this is where it starts getting to the interesting well, philosophical side of this discussion. Well, so to me, that would just – I would say that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I well, would I would say you're, you're fully in your right to say that because this is all philosophy is it's just coming up with points and intellectual right. argument but and, from and the point that we are born right we were I mean maybe you were born with a full head I mean, you were probably born with a full head of hair and a full beard already <laughs> and like six eight but like sure. when so you shrunk when, when you're <laughs> yeah you, you've shrunk I mean that's what happens when you get older you shrink the beard stayed the same you know it's funny though I, I shrunk they, they say when you get older you shrink yet when you get older you're actually getting bigger and then you get smaller so it's like it's like a graph you're like we that definitely is true and then you know when you're dead you're just ashes so you're literally nothing <laughs> so you really shrink yeah but this whole idea of well you're not the same person as you were when you're 12 it's like well no shit you know I grew, but I'm still the same person. My brain's the exact same brain. It's just grown. It's mm-hmm. it's gone through more. It's gone my, through more. My heart, my lungs, yeah. every little detail about you is the exact same. It, it's the exact same mapping. It's the exact same physical being that you were. When you were born, you know how to cry. Well, you, and it, and it's just because that you don't know anything else really. You're you're not in a mental mind state to come out of the womb and like grab a book and just start ripping through pages like you're not going to be able to do that you have to learn over time how to do that mm-hmm. everything you learn becomes a memory like we kind of talked about before i learned the alphabet now i know how to read because i can start to put words and how each letter of the alphabet sounds followed by certain other letters i learned how to read so i'm still the same exact person I'm just growing. I'm, I'm learning. I'm building a memory storage to be able to, you know, move to that next stage in life. Yeah. Whereas just because I can't remember something that happened to me when I'm 12 doesn't mean I'm not the same person. Yeah. You know, well, I change, like you said, you know, we change every day. We become a, I'm not going to say you don't become a new person every day, but you're evolving as a person. I learned from something that happened yesterday, so I'm not going to do the same thing. Oh, if I catch a wasp in my hand and it stings me, I'm not going to go out and catch a wasp in my hand the next day because it felt good. I'm going to go, holy shit, that didn't feel good. I don't want to touch these you know, black and yellow things anymore that are buzzing around me. Yeah, and I think this gets into the discussion of like what... So y- yes, you're right in that 12-year-old Matt is the same as 27-year-old Matt. But there's like, in philosophical terms, they have, they're outlining here that you have what's called like qualitatively identical versus numerically identical. So this this kind of continues. Um, he's saying, or th- this person who wrote this article is saying, according to memory theory, 
you are numerically identical to the kid you remember being because you remember their experiences. Locke's theory presumably does not require perfect memory. Obviously, we forget things we've experienced. Rather, it requires that a continuous series of changing conscious states connects someone to their past and future selves. Today, you remember what you did yesterday. Yesterday, you remembered what you did the day before, etc., etc. Each conscious moment directly connects to those that precede and follow it. So Locke's theory is sometimes alternatively understood as a psychological continuity theory of personal identity. Person A is numerically identical to some past person, person, person B, if and only if A is psychologically continuous with B. Although you've psychologically changed since childhood, you've had new experiences, formed memories, and forgotten others, gained preferences, abandoned interests, you're still the same person. These changes contribute to the flow to the continuous flow of consciousness connecting your childhood self to you now. According to psychological continuity theory, that's why you are the kid you remember being. Psychological continuity theory reflects an important philosophical and mathematical principle, the transitivity of identity. For example, I am the author, this is the person writing this obviously. I am the author of this essay and the author of this essay is Kristen Seamuth Whaley weird name. You can therefore conclude that I am Kristen Seamuth Whaley because identity is transitive. We can see such transitivity in this scenario. Kelly, a high school student, thinks back to childhood and remembers dropping an ice cream cone on the ground. Later in college, (laughs) rough day, later in college, they remember being in high school but have forgotten the ice cream. That college-age Kelly doesn't remember dropping the ice cream doesn't mean that she actually didn't do it. Um, psychological continuity too is transitive. So the high schooler is psychologically continuous with the child and the college student is psychologically continuous with the high schooler. Therefore, the college student and the child are psychologically continuous with each other through the high schooler. Through many years of changing but continuous psychological states, each is Kelly. (laughs) Right, so at the end of the day, you still remember something that happened to you, a traumatic experience of dropping your ice cream cone. And it doesn't. So, so that kind of goes back to what you were saying, though. Is you know, we have that memory of the past memory, so that they're yeah. more or less saying yeah. that when you're in college, you remember this memory because you remembered it in high school, but you're remembering yeah. the high school version of it. But the high school version of it remembered it when you were, and it remembered eight the years ice cream old, part. and they remembered yeah. the ice cream part, and then you slowly forgot the ice cream. You're just yeah. like, I dropped something on the ground, right? And <clears throat> but you're still the same person. But you're still the same person. Because, what did it say? Because, uh, how did they describe it? Psychological continuity is transitive. Transitive. I think it all just comes down. I mean, this is such like a case-by-case person. Like, though, like, like, think about it. I remember shit that you don't remember. You remember shit that I don't remember. Yeah. You know, and they could be experiences we had together. Like, if we if we spent 24 straight hours together, right? From 12 a.m. to 11.59 p.m., there's going to be things about that day that you're like, dude, remember when we just did this like four hours ago? I'm like, nah, but do you remember when we did this three and a half hours ago? You're like, nah. And I'm like, how do I remember something 30 minutes after what you were trying to talk about, but I can't remember what you're talking about and you can't remember what I'm talking about? Do you you ever have times where... So you know how in like a working environment in as being an adult on Monday morning, a lot of times, well, back when people used to actually go into the office, it may still happen over, you know, online meetings or whatever, but people are like, well, what'd you do this weekend? 
And do you ever have that moment where you're like, fuck, what did I do this weekend? <laughs> and you're like, it was only two days ago, but what did I do Saturday? And then you have to like almost backtrack and try and be like, oh, yeah. So first I went to the store, and then I went and got an oil change, and then that night I saw a movie. And then Sunday morning I went and worked out, and then I watched the basketball game, and then I watched a movie at home, and then I went to bed or whatever. I mean – you have to like go through like wait so what did I do Saturday and then after Saturday what from here where did I go from there but like when someone asks you like what did you do this weekend you're like uh I don't I go, really remember I usually <laughs> go nothing I sat at home yeah because to me I didn't have anything go on this weekend that was impactful in my life or like something that I'm yeah. like oh, I want to remember this so that's why a I'm lot like, of times I think people just would be like yeah not much like I sat I sat at home and I watched golf yeah like I'll, I'll know who won but yeah. I don't really care what else happened. Like I slept and I watched golf. Like what, what more do you want me to explain? And people are like, so you didn't make any memories this weekend and make absolutely fucking not. Well, you probably like, made some, just none that are worth mentioning. Well, right. So I could sit there and be like, you know, like, Hey, I remember when I was in Hawaii and I watched Tiger Woods win a, an event. I don't remember what event it was, but I remember I was in Hawaii when I watched him win it. Yeah. And I was exhausted because of the travel, but I don't remember what event. And I, don't even know if I knew what the event was at the time. Yeah. So it's like one of those things of the, if, if something isn't worth memorizing, then you're not going to, that memory might still be there. Like, yeah, I remember doing something like that. Yeah. But like, you're like, I don't care. I don't need to know that or memorize right. it. So I'm not going to keep that in my brain. That's my, <laughs> that's my uh, explanation to Taya a lot when, She'll be like, hey, we're going to hang out with so-and-so and their family this weekend. I'll be like, who's this again? She'll be like, babe, you've met him like five times. And I'm like, if I – here's the thing. They didn't have an impact on my life, yeah, so – Well, seriously, and I don't mean that to be a dick, but it's like, listen, I see this person once a year tops. Right. I'm sorry. I just don't remember their names. You know what's more important? The names of my coworkers that I see every single day. Right. You know what I mean? Or the name of that one guy that I work with at work from another team that I, I, I interact with I on a daily basis. His name sticks. You know why? Because it's important. This and, one and person that I see once every year, right. tops is not that important to me. So it just goes away. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. It's just like there's only a certain amount of right. room in my hard drive, and that's not important. It's not important. I mean, it's like it, if you were going through your computer trying to clear out space, you'd be like, well, these documents I don't fucking need. It's from right. seventh grade homework. Delete. You're but like, like reading, stuff, you're like, wow, I was an idiot back Yeah, then. but like... I don't know, maybe like important documents for some business thing you're working on right now would probably be stuff you'd right. want to keep. Same thing with your brain. You know what I mean? It's like, right. well, you, you keep what you want, you and keep then, what you want or need, and right. then the rest of it is just like deleted. Get right. out of here. <laughs> like, if, if you don't need something in your brain, like, I don't need to remember half the shit that I do, but it's like part of that is like, well, it's kind of fun to bring up, right? It's the argumentative side of me to piss people off while I sit here and enjoying the memory. Of them pissing me off, so now I'm going to piss them off by bringing Dude, it back up. Here's here's something that's kind of interesting to think about. What happens? You know when you zone out? Like a lot Dude. of people, a lot of people zone out while they're driving. A lot. This is a very shared experience amongst a lot of people. What happens to you while you're zoned out? Like you know how you'll be driving somewhere and it's somewhere you've been. Like if you're going to your parents' house, you've been there right. a billion you, times. You just get there and then you like look around. And you're like, how? You'll like pull up in front I of their house, put it in park, and you're like. Shit, I really hope I didn't blow any red lights or whatever because I was not paying attention. And, like, yeah. that is 
on one hand, equally terrifying just because of the danger it presents to you and other drivers. But another, on another hand, it's terrifying because it's like, where were you exactly while you were driving? You're just a, it's just a glitch in the, in the simulation. Like your body like, was just going through some muscle memory while your mind was doing, I don't know what. But like, what think, was it doing? I think at the time? same time, because I've zoned out like that before, but I remember like stopping at stoplights. I don't remember which stoplights, but I remember yeah. like stopping when it was red and going when it was green. It was, but those are the only things. Like I'm like, when did I get in my car? Yeah, and then I like park and I go, where did I come from? Like it, it's that whole yeah. like I remember I got here safely, but I don't remember, don't remember how which I did route it. you took or whatever. Yeah. Another thing that happens to me a lot is I'll go right before I'm going to leave the house to like let's say come over here and do the podcast. I'll be like, okay. Remember to bring uh, the fantasy football trophy or whatever. Right. And I'm like, I tell myself, oh, remember to bring the fantasy football and trophy. And like three weeks Matt later, you're it. like, oh, the fantasy football yeah. trophy. Yeah, and then I'll get in the car. Oh, I'll be like putzing along, zoning out, putting my computer in the bag, getting everything ready, grab my keys, my phone, walk all the way downstairs, get in my car, turn it on, start driving here, and then be halfway here and be like, fuck. I was supposed to bring the fantasy football trophy. It's like, where was my brain when, when I, I was leaving and I needed Dude. to actually do the action of grabbing the trophy, which I had told myself eight times to do? I've, what was it happening in my brain where I was just like, did, 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 and just walked out of the house without it? Like that part of your hell? brain was like, guess what? We're gonna just fuck with him real quick. Short circuit. <laughs> just fucking fuck so with him. So frustrating. And and start it again. Start it again. You're like, and I don't know. And it's fucker. like, I don't know what happens to then bring the memory back up. But then whatever reason, your brain will bring it up at the most inopportune time. You'll be like in the middle of the night sleeping. You'll be like, oh, shit, I didn't email that one guy at work. Like it's just so you, like, why is that down popping the hallway up now? Like. <laughs> Like, this would have been really useful at 3.30 p.m. yesterday. Well, dude, do you ever do that when you're, like, you're packing for a trip? You, you go through it. Like, when I go and I go pack, this, I'm sure a lot of people do this, but I go, okay, I have socks. I have underwear. Yeah. I have shorts. I have shirts. Yeah. Okay, now I got to go through, okay, now I have pants for that one night that yeah. I need to wear jeans. I have yeah. jeans. Yeah. Okay, now I have my belt. Okay, that's check. Yeah. And like, okay, I have my dress shirt with my undershirt. I got all my shirts needed. Check. Okay, I got one jacket in case. Check. Okay, I got my swimsuit. Check. Go through my bathroom bag. I'm like, I got toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, cologne, you know, Q-tips, floss. Yeah. Check. I'm good. And then you put everything into your fucking suitcase. You zip it up and you put it down on the ground and you go... Did I put underwear in my suitcase? Yeah, and then you got to like, like, pick like, it up, whip and it up, <laughs> and then you like yeah. pull everything out and you lay it down. And you're like, I'm gonna go through okay. this checklist one yeah, more time, yeah, yeah. and then you do it, and then you like put it down. And you're like, okay, I'm good. You lay down. The next morning, you like, you get to the airport, you get on the airplane, and you take off, and you're like, I hope I, I hope I have a toothbrush. Yeah, or like. Did we shut the garage door? Oh, <laughs> dude, that's I've one. done that at my parents' house before. <laughs> if I like go check if they're out of town, and I like drive by and I like. I watch it close, yeah. and I'm like, all right, I know it's closed. And yeah. I literally turn the corner. I'm like, did I close the garage door? <laughs> I, I should go back. I should go back. And, and check. I've, I've done that <laughs> yeah, before right. where I like will turn around, and I yeah. like peek down the street, and I'm like, all right, it's closed. Okay, it's and closed. then I get <laughs> home, and I'm like, did I lock the garage door now? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going back. I the hate garage that, door's dude. closed. Or if someone breaks in, I'm just going to act like it wasn't my fault. Like, well, it was closed when I left is all I know. Um, okay, this next little part is kind of interesting. So this is called the duplication case. Philosophical thought experiments demonstrate an interesting implication of psychological theories that multiple people could be psychologically continuous with a single past person. So the scenario is this. Imagine this. <clears throat> I remember you when you were 12, you little shithead. <laughs> Kelly is diagnosed with an untreatable illness. Doctors propose a cutting-edge procedure to download Kelly's consciousness and then transplant it, uploading it into another body. Kelly reports to room A 
The doctors perform the procedure on Kelly and a donor body. Afterward, the patient in room B with Kelly's consciousness wakes up and thinks, amazing, I have a new body and no, no illness. In case anything went wrong, the doctors had a backup plan, duplicating Kelly's consciousness into a second donor body in room C. This patient, too, wakes up and thinks, amazing, I have a new body and no illness. Each patient is psychologically continuous with Kelly, so it may seem that the patient in room B is Kelly, and for the same reasons the patient in room C is also Kelly. If each patient is Kelly, then the transivity of identity entails that the patient's are numerically identical to each other, but Kelly cannot be both the patients are two different people. Because of these implications, some philosophers have proposed revised psychological theories, and then it goes into one more here. That's kind of confusing. Well, I mean, okay, let's, let's so take a you, step back. To so I guess like the, the idea is, like, could your consciousness psycholo- or simultaneously exist in multiple bodies and have all of those be you, or are they different people? Well, so, okay, so so think the way I think about it is if your brain doesn't function, you don't function, mm-hmm. right? So you're dead. So if you download everything I have in my brain, all my memories, every every little thing, and you put it into a new body, when I first wake up or when they first wake up, they're going to think exactly as I did. Yeah. They're going to have my memory and nothing of them is ever going to ever have existed. They're going to wake up and they're just going to be like, this isn't my body. Like, I was Kelly, a female, and you put me into a male's body. Yeah. You know, my brain thinks as a female. Yeah. Right? I don't know if they... uh, This is just for the the episode purpose of crossing the... But it goes, the brain of a female got moved into the brain of a male, so they have to relearn everything that the body would have to do. Whereas if person c was a female oh great i have a new body right i'm alive but then they meet themselves <laughs> in a male in body. a male yeah. body and they're like well wait a second and then they, they if they sat down at a table right they didn't know each other exists and they sat down and they started talking and they could literally verbatim say every single memory you can coexist because I mean, you're more or less starting over. You just have the same memory. Like, well, and then you would, you'd have to think at that point, if those two people went off into the world and had lived their separate lives, the, it, they'd be what, two one person, different people at the end of that experience. And that they, has no effect on the other person. But what's weird is like it's the same consciousness that's now become two different like identities almost, which is trippy. Right, but it's not like if, if a, you know, the guy version and goes to sleep and has a dream that the girl version's going to have the same exact dream. Well, then what would that be like from your shared experience? Would you be seeing and hearing and experiencing everything that the other person is experiencing all at the same time that you're experiencing what's happening to you? No, because the, the way I would think about it is they, it's not like they're moving Kelly's brain into room B and then moving her brain again into room C. They're moving the file system. Yeah. So it's like if I move my file system from that computer into this computer – the identity changes because look, that has red circles, three fans. This has two fans, and you call them white circles, right? So this is different. It has a different operating system than that. But I just moved the memory from there to where that computer is like, well, wait a second, I have nothing left. That this one's like, hey, guess what? I got all of this extra stuff that I didn't have before. Now you're just moving the memory. You're not moving the brain. So the brain is still going to function different in person B than person C. It's just going to have that, the memory of, 
what was going on. So like they could both walk up to Kelly's mom and be like, "Hey, mom," and her mom's gonna be like, "What? Who? The, who are you?" Yeah, yeah. And then the girl version will come up, "Hey, mom," and they're like, "Who are you?" And you're be like, "I don't know. I'm your daughter." <laughs> and like, well, no, well, you're not. So this actually brings up it relates almost exactly to this movie that's uh, a brand new movie that I watched on Apple TV Plus. I'm just going to give a quick plug for this for anyone who's interested in this sort of concept and wants to watch a good sci-fi movie, but it's called Swan Song. And the the concept, I won't say any spoilers, but the concept in that movie is that say you get diagnosed with a terminal illness and you have a wife and kids or whatever, and you don't want your wife and kids to have to go through the horrible traumatic process of watching you die from some terrible terminal illness, right? So this company comes along and is like, hey, we have the technology to essentially clone you, move your consciousness over to a perfect exact clone of you and have everything, since he'll have your consciousness, everything will be completely seamless and then he can just go be you in your life and then you can go off, die of this terminal illness and your family never has to suffer the grief of watching you die from this terminal illness. So that's kind of this psychological or this philosophical theory here is like, are those two people the exact same? If they're able to take a perfect clone body of you, take your consciousness as of this moment and go, okay, right, three, two, one, now it's live in this person. Now there's two yous. One of you is going to go off and die of whatever, some terminal right. illness. And the other you is going to go back into your life and be you. And for all intents and purposes, for everyone else in your life, they don't notice a difference at all because it's a perfect copy of you. So to play devil advocate here, if your family knew you were going to die and have this, you have this terminal illness and then you go have this procedure and they're like going home and they're like, yay, we have a clone of our dad, but our real dad is somewhere dying like well the idea is that you don't ever tell your family so like you get died in the movie hey honey i'm going hey honey i'm going to work and then yeah. the clone comes home and right and they don't they, just, they never know because it's a perfect copy and it's it's a other biological body that's a f- exact match to you physically right, so like down to every single down to molecule. the hair follicles and molecules right. no one would be able to tell the difference and it has your consciousness as of a certain point i think if that was me, I'm like, yeah, I don't want them to suffer. But at the end of the day, my, like my dying wish would be to see my wife and kids again. So then all of a sudden I like would reappear as a sickly looking <laughs> person. But then I would be able to like say, say you didn't have memory loss or whatever, but say like, say it was cancer or something and you just show up and you'd look extremely, you know, unhealthy. Um, but you're saying everything. It could really fuck that person up because you chose to have your last fading memory be of, you know, seeing your children and, and yeah. your wife and everything. It's Me- a really, meanwhile, the dude's over there going, Holy shit. That's me. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember seeing you walk yeah. out of the same yeah. building as me. Um, it's a very good movie. I highly recommend it. It's got Mahershala Ali. Who's like a multiple time Oscar nominee, but it, it brings up a lot of, I think it relates perfectly to the conversation we're having. Cause it brings up a lot of points about like, how would that affect, the family of this person and how would that affect you if you were, if you decided to go through with that of like knowing that there's this other version of you that's going to go on and continue this life with your family while you die. It's very interesting. I'm I'm just glad this technology doesn't exist yet because I would be the selfish person. 
see, here's here's why I think I like watching a lot of these sci-fi movies and shows that that put you in a situation that you would have to confront these sort of decisions because I think it if we don't nuke ourselves or get hit with a meteorite that destroys the entire world or something or we don't get wiped out by some biological disease I think a lot of these science fiction ideas that you see in movies are going to start to become reality. And at some point, we're going to be faced with these really Black Mirror-esque decisions to make of like... Well, we won't. What it, well, yeah, maybe not us, but like people at some point are going to be faced with like really the ideas of like what does it mean to be a conscious human and what does it mean to have identity and all this kind of stuff. When you start thinking about like do we have clones or do we have artificial robots that can we can download and put our consciousness into and like... Or maybe like the altered carbon idea of like they can just plug and play your consciousness into different bodies and you can live forever, essentially. Like, what does it start to mean to be a person in a world where these things are actually possible? I think, I think that's I think why we I have think, to leave that for another discussion. Well, that's that'll be a long that's why time. I'm so fascinated by science fiction is because it t- it's able to tell. It's just really a motif to try and tell human stories. It's putting people in situations that are, yes, to us, fantastical and fiction, but if they were real, you have to put yourself in the position of these characters' shoes and be like, well, how would I react if, well, if something like to, this was possible? To put myself in those shoes, I'm going to be the selfish one and be like, I'm not sending home a clone to take care of my family because I don't want my family to suffer because I'm going to be selfish because I'm about to die. I'm going to be gone forever, so I want to build these last memories with my family, my kids, my wife, they're going to understand that, you know, I'm not always going to be around because what happens if I got into a car crash, then they couldn't successfully move my consciousness into this clone, right? The next day, right? What if I died? Or what if that clone got in a car crash on the way home, right? And, and died, you know, it becomes one of those things. There's, I mean, that, that's obviously expanding into this realm of random shit, but you know, I would be, if that was me, I would not be like, oh, I'm terminally ill, I'm going to die. I'd go home and be like, hey, wife, kids, I'm terminally ill, I'm going to die. Let's go make fucking memories that you guys will have, you know, hopefully a long time, and I'm going to die, you know, in the next six months. But this is going to be the greatest six months of my life. Yeah. You know, so, like, I would take the selfish way and be like, fuck no, I'm not having my conscious self go there because just because my conscious is there doesn't mean I'm there, right? So that means I'm sitting here thinking some other dude is with my wife and kids right now, even if it's the exact same replica. Even if it's me, me. yeah. Right? Because as soon as I turn left on the street to go die by myself and they turn right to go take care of my kids, we've already experienced different different viewpoints and different things that went on. Yeah. So I'm already going to be missing my wife and kids and they're going to be like, oh, I'm excited to go home to my wife and kids. And then I'm going to be like, well, no, it's not necessarily your wife and kids. Like, it's I mean, very weird, man. It gets very It's a trippy concept, yeah. but like for me, I would be like, nah, sorry, wife and kids. You're going to have to watch me die. <laughs> um, I had another um, source on here from a website called inquiriesjournal.com, and it's, it goes deeper into that philosopher John Locke that I was talking about into the Lockean memory theory of personal identity. Um, I haven't. So without just like reading through this entire article, I haven't read enough of it to like expound upon it and kind of make it organic in this conversation. So if you want, we can kind of wrap this up. But I, mean, I we, we can we do can definitely another episode, another episode on like yeah. just conscience as a whole. Yeah. 
But if anyone who is listening is curious to, to learn to read more about this, um, you know, I, the, the sources that I've already named, and this last one is from inquiriesjournal.com, and um, it's an article by Ryan Piccirillo, um, and it's called The Lockean Memory Theory of Personal Identity, Definition, Objection, and Response. So if you're interested in Googling this and reading up on it before we maybe have another conversation about this at some point in the future, please do. Um, I just find this to be, it was something that I had on our list of future ideas for podcast episodes, and I thought it'd be fun to sit and talk about it because we seem to be on kind of a streak here recently of doing kind of big grand ideas and and less like, hey, let's talk about the NBA playoffs or whatever, which we will still do. We will be talking about, this is why this is the Just Browsing. The Warriors are going to win again. This is the Just Browsing podcast, so we are going to continue to browse through the topics. We need to talk about the NFL offseason. We could do that too. And the NHL playoffs. Dude, what we need to do, what we need to do is talk about Top Gun Maverick, which I saw last night, which is I have yet to see it. It's amazing. I've heard it's terrible. Well, you've heard wrong. It's <laughs> fantastic. Now, everybody I've heard, they're like, it's great. It's, it's better great. than the original. Well, I didn't have a huge connection with the original, but it's, in my opinion, it's a better movie. Anyway, that's for no, another discussion. So unless you, you have more you to also, add, I you think, also we think can Star wrap Wars up. is better than Harry Potter. So at the end of the day, uh, Harry Potter's better. We all win, and we'll talk to you guys later. Goodbye. We've already had this uh, debate intellectual times. debate multiple times. Um, but yeah, thanks for everyone who's listened this far. Um, it seems like you guys do, based on the limited sort of information and feedback we get on how many times these episodes get downloaded. It seems like you guys are more interested in these kind of deeper thought experiment type episodes so we'll try and keep these coming i think we have other things we want to continue to talk about and we will probably revisit a lot of these same ideas in the future like artificial intelligence simulation theory time traveling there's just too much not to talk about yeah you know consciousness and memory and all kinds of stuff there's plenty of really cool trippy ideas that we can uh talk about in the future so if we do revisit this memory and consciousness one i'll i'll uh hopefully remember this episode hopefully what we talked about well, as what we've was that learned, one episode about that we were like we're trying to it's as like about we've memory? learned, it's going to be important that we remember like the colors in the room and like the smell of the AC unit or whatever in terms of or maybe the smell of Luna ripping ass in terms of us actually accessing this memory because as we learned it comes from different parts of the brain. There you go. The more you know, people. So wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We really appreciate it. Um, please go visit. The Facebook page, the Instagram page, um, like, rate, and review us on any of the podcast uh, platforms out there. But the Podbean link, the Facebook link will be your one-stop hubs to find like links to everything else, episode discussion links, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for tuning in. And Until we'll, next uh, time. We'll be back with another episode. Thanks, everybody. Later. <laughs>